This is the City Surgery on City Talk 105.9. And a very good afternoon to you. Yep, City Talk 105.9 on a Thursday afternoon means just one thing. Well, it means a few things, actually. The Blue Room from 5, our Rugby League show in touch from 6. But at this time, each and every Thursday, it certainly means one man. Mark Ellis from James Murray Solicitors for the Legal Surgery. Mark, good afternoon to you. And it's a good afternoon to you, Mick. How are you feeling? Yeah, good, thank you. You were off last week. We had Jim Murray in your place, but you're back this week. Back today, courtesy of Mark Hamill, who's brought me down in the taxi. He's a good guy. Mark Hamill? Yeah, he's a superb guy. The Mark Hamill, yeah. That's the. Uh, you had a taxi driver who had the same yeah, name as the guy who played Luke Skywalker. Be with you, exactly. He's a super Fantastic guy. stuff. You've come in today dressed all in black. Yeah, I'm Johnny Cash today. Johnny Cash today, but you're wearing a Colombo Mac. That's quite the look you've got going on. You must uh, cut a fine dash. One of the things. One of the things. My <laughs> wife was already at work. Uh, Mark, you're here today to answer people's legal questions. I'll certainly try to, apart from doing a few impressions. Good, good. Feel free to throw some more impressions yeah, yeah, in no, there. Yeah, yeah, no, If you've not heard the legal surgery before, it's not just two men describing what each one's uh, wearing. <laughs> it's actually Mark Ellis here as a solicitor answering legal questions. So if you've got questions in regards to the law that you need to get answered in your life at the moment, so it might be to do with things with uh, divorce, it might be problem neighbours, it might be speeding tickets, parking fines, that sort of thing. A sort of issue that comes up where you think, I could really do with getting a solicitor's advice on that. Well, Mark Ellis is here. Uh, you can email your questions in at any point during the week and hopefully we'll answer them as part of a legal surgery each and every Thursday drive here on City Talk 105.9. That email address, it never changes, is surgery at citytalk.fm. That's surgery at citytalk.fm. Now, I wanted to start with a, a question which has come through. It's not really about somebody's life. It's more about uh, a question about how the legal world works. And Tricia informed me... Uh, she says that her and her son watched the BBC Two drama Line of Duty last night. Mm-hmm. My son reckons the scene during a police interview was not true to life, as the legal representative said nothing at, and the uh, accused never stopped talking. Is this what would really happen at a police station? What happened to the no-comment interview we have all heard about? Should you always ask for a solicitor if arrested? That's Trisha Informby, who is asking purely off the back of, mm. uh, back of the fact that she watched Line of Duty on the BBC. Well, I've never seen this Line of Duty. It's meant to be very good, uh, and I couldn't comment about uh, you know about the storylines or anything. But I suppose the starting point for this question is: Should you always ask for a solicitor if arrested? Well, uh, I'm I'm bound to say yes, uh, inevitably. But you're, you're perfectly entitled, and, and the the police will notify you of this fact. You're perfectly entitled to have free and independent legal advice in a police station. You can have your own solicitor, or indeed you can ask for the duty solicitor. Uh, should you ask for a solicitor, I would say yes, you should. If the police have a reasonable suspicion you've committed an offence, then they're perfectly entitled to detain you uh, and to have you under arrest and to question you. And at the very least, it's another pair of, of eyes and ears uh, to uh, to assist you in the police station and to act as a witness if the police are doing anything wrong in terms of, of uh, procedure, and it does sometimes happen. So yes, my starting point in answering Trish's question is, should you always ask for a solicitor? Yes, you should. Is it mandatory? Do you have to have a solicitor? No, you don't. And some people will go into the police station. They'll think, well, I want to get this done pretty quickly. Um, I don't want a solicitor, and I know I'm not guilty or I'm guilty, and I just want to, to go in and, and deal with it. They're perfectly entitled to do that, but I would certainly advise you to, to have a solicitor. Um, okay, so they're talking about 
the accused never stopping talking. Well, uh, you know, the, the starting point for that sort of response is this, that when you're interviewed by the police, you're told right at the outset... You have the right to remain silent. Mick, are you spying on me? Sometimes you amaze me with some of the, some of the ways you, you answer before. Uh, I... And uh, this is from watching The Bill, not yeah. from watching Line of Duty, by the way. In Sun Hill. Yeah. Sun Hill, the Bill. Yeah, you have the right to remain silent, but it may harm your defence if you fail to mention when questioned anything else which you've later on in court. Anything you do so may be taken down in evidence, and that, in essence, is the caution. So, look, breaking that down, you have the right to remain silent. You don't have to say anything at all. But if you've got a defence and you don't raise it at the police station and you do raise it at court on a later occasion, the court may say to themselves, well, how come Mr X or Miss Y uh, didn't raise this in the police station? They can draw what's called an adverse inference. And I think you do say is evidence in the case. So if I go into an interview and say Mick's got a fantastic blue jumper on, there you go, it's evidence. So so in terms of... You gobsmacked now, that's yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Um, in terms of you know what, what you do in a police station, well, the starting point would be, from a solicitor's perspective, speaking to the police and finding out what the evidence is, and then speaking to the client and taking the client's instructions, and then making a, making a determination as to what your advice would be in terms of going into that police station and the interview, whether it is to put forward a, co- uh, a full comment interview, if someone were to come in and to say, no, let's imagine for a second someone's been accused of assaulting somebody and uh, the client says, I didn't do it, I acted in self-defence, I used reasonable force at all times uh, and I was frightened that this person may assault me. Well, any solicitor worth his salt is going to say to that person, go in there and put that account forward because it's your defence. If someone were to say, for instance, to a solicitor, look, I did do it, but I suspect strongly these people will have second thoughts about coming to court or um, they're not really bothered about this and they're just having a go at me for something else and I don't think they're really going to to show up, then the chances are you're going to say to your client, well, say nothing today then. Make a no-comment interview and see what happens in the fullness of time, but you're going to be charged with it. So the consultation period between a solicitor and a client is a very crucial one because you're formulating your advice and you're going to that police interview and the client can act on the advice or he, or he can ignore it. It's entirely up to him. Now, as far as the scenario that, that Tricia has, uh, has watched where the accused never stopped talking, you know, that does happen sometimes. The, 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 the individual, the suspect at the police station may have a perfectly valid defence to put forward. Uh, is the solicitor there to give evidence? No, he's not there. He or she isn't there to start... Um, shouting the odds and, and giving his account, but he, he's perfectly entitled to ask questions of his client in that interview once the police have stopped asking. And if the solicitor feels that perhaps there's a certain element of the case that the police uh, have chosen to ignore or they've perhaps, perhaps forgotten a line of questioning, if, if um, the solicitor thinks it's relevant, he too can say, well, what about this question and that question? So uh, an interview, should a solicitor be talking all the while? Not really, hmm. but can they get involved? Yes. I watched the movie uh, Lincoln Lawyer the uh, other week with Matthew McConaughey, and he did like talking. Um, yeah. But his relationship with his clients in that particular film was a very strange one, uh, but it's quite a good film. OK, I'll make a note of that and watch it. Uh, uh, it's an interesting one because um, mm. although you mentioned the taxi driver right at the start, mm. uh, he, he's based out of his Lincoln, his Lincoln Cadillac. Ah, okay. So okay. Like, oh, his whole business yeah. is from there because he's on the go all the time. Uh, next question. Uh, can I ask Mark Ellis about a neighbour dispute? My neighbour has not weed in his garden, which is affecting the value of my property. I need to treat it. I've sent several solicitors' letters to him to ask for access and permission to remove it. All letters are ignored. I know he knows about the issue. I now wonder whether I can actually go to his house and ask him nicely to sign a consent form explaining the issues. 
My main worry is whether this would be construed as harassment or something like that. Can I do this legally? Uh, this comes through from a Wirral resident. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, look, I think that's a good idea. If you, you, What you're saying, in essence, in, in that email is you're trying to deal with this amicably and it's affecting the, the value of your property. If it's something that's escaping from, from your neighbour's property and coming into your property, I think you'd have a claim under the tort of nuisance and, and, and to proceed with a civil case in that, in that respect. Um, if it's just simply devaluing your property for whatever reason, then I think you're perfectly entitled to approach them and see if if, if it can be treated. Um, and I think if you're doing it from from you, you've already sent several solicitors' letters. If they're not responding to those letters, then then simply why not go round and ask them if they would agree to it and, and provide them with a consent form. You're doing so perfectly politely. I don't think for one second uh, that would be construed as harassment. If they say, please leave the premises, then you're leaving the premises. In terms of alternative remedies... It may well be that you'd have to litigate in order to, to, you know, to, to have this person deal with the issue, but you don't really want to do that because it's going to cost you an awful lot of money in order to do it, and it sort of negates really the issue of, of you trying to save money by having to spend money in the first place. It would seem a bit of an odd situation. So going back to your your previous point. Could you go around to see them? Of course you could. There's nothing wrong with that, having a chat with them. And maybe if you can come to some sort of compromise about payment, because, of course, it's going to it's going to assist you if you can say, well, I'm more than willing to pay for the treatment or to go halves with it or whatever. It's going to benefit both of you. So, yep, absolutely go down that route. You know, I don't know what was put in the original solicitor's letters, whether a sort of an olive branch of some description was, was offered to this person or whether they were quite aggressively written letters. Charm sometimes can get you an awful lot of other places uh, rather than you simply chasing your own tail so think in terms of perhaps trying to save a bit of money and litigate uh, and avoid litigation and and do what you you're quite rightly suggesting okay thank you we're all residents i guess if i was offered an olive branch in place of uh, uh, japanese knotweed i would absolutely accept yeah but you're you know nice little olive grove uh, on the world, it'd be nice that. Uh, Mark, uh, Mark Ellis is with us. He's a solicitor. He's with us on the legal surgery here on City Talk 105.9. He's here each and every week. You can email your questions to surgery at citytalk.fm. Uh, if you're listening to the show now, send them in over the course of the week, maybe when you get home, uh, maybe when you've um, got a little bit more time to put it down into a nice, concise email. And we could be talking about your question on next week's show. If you ever miss the show, don't worry about that because you can uh, check out the podcast, which is available on the website. Uh, uh, this one has come through. I've removed the name from this one just because uh, it might be a little bit sensitive. It says, what happens if you have a civil dispute that is due to end with you receiving approximately 5K, but then the person you're having the dispute with dies? Does the case continue? Uh, no names, please. It says, I'm sorry the person has died, but I am clearly owed the cash for services provided, but not paid for. Yep, sure. If you've, You'd sue the estate, in essence. So the executives of, of the deceased person, uh, they would they would deal with it and instruct solicitors or, or, or barristers, whatever it may be, to deal with it. Or if, if you have a judgment from a court, uh, then again, the executors would be dealing with that and, and paying out. So does it die? Does the, does the case end because the deceased person has, has passed away? Uh, no, uh, you, you proceed against the estate. Okay, thank you for that question. Surgery at citytalk.fm. If you've got a question for the legal surgery here on City Talk 105.9. Now, uh, next question comes in through uh, Mark from Wavertree. Uh, and he asks you, Mark, uh, what rights do students have to renegotiate a student house contract, brackets, one year, when you're six months in? The quality of the property has deteriorated significantly in that time with mould on walls and leaks from the roof, full stop. The landlord seems uninterested. 
and the terms of our payments have remained the same despite the flaws. That's Mark in Wavertree. I think we've all uh, lived in houses where uh, standards have not been particularly high, particularly when I was at university. Yeah, I was going to say, you have been spying on me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you've got cameras installed in our house. Yeah, I think part of it was was the upkeep of our particular property when we were students. But if, it, if you feel it's something that the, the landlord should have taken care of, Mark... What can Mark in Wavertree do in this situation? Yeah, I think, uh, look, I, I, you're quite right. As students, we've all lived in, in absolute bins of places, haven't we? Uh, and you have to get on with it, really. But uh, but if, if you think the conditions have, have deteriorated significantly and there are disrepair issues, then I think the starting point is to go and see a lawyer that specialises in, in, in landlord and tenant matters. And I'm bound to say that my firm, James Murray, do also that sort of work. But I know Mick will want me to... He's prompting me now with a big stick. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other firms that are more... They are available. <laughs> ...who are available. Um but not as friendly as ours. <laughs> but anyway, I think you may well have a case for, for, for the, the, the landlord neglecting the property and it being in, in, in a bad state of, of repair or disrepair. So you may well have a case in that regard. In going to speak to your landlord to see if you can renegotiate, of course you could, but he may say, sorry, you're not having that. Uh, you've signed a contract, you're bound by it, and I guess he'd be right to do it. So, you know, you can say, talking about olive branches, one olive branch may be to say to him, look, we're going to... Consider litigation for this because the property's in a very bad state of repair. We'll give you 14 days to do something about it. And if you haven't done anything about it by then, we're going to go and seek a solicitor's opinion as to whether or not we've got a case against you in the county court. And at least he's got a little bit of leeway. Uh, and the civil courts are all about conciliation and arbitration and so on and so forth. So if you're going down that route then uh, and you're offering him an opportunity to, to um, sort it out, put it in writing and give it to him formally. You know, the, the, the letter saying, you know, you're not happy with this, whatever it is, list all, the, all the, the problems you're concerned about. Please, can you have it dealt with in 12, 14 days, whatever it may be, or else we'll consider opposition and consider litigation. But that contract that they signed presumably says, you know, that this house will be in a fit and proper condition. Absolutely. Well, the landlord, at the end of the day, has a duty of care. He's got to make sure the property's in a good state of repair so, so that people can enjoy the use of the property. So if it's a scenario where you're going to say, we want to confront the landlord here. We want to make sure that there's a chance of of uh, having this property repaired quickly. Then you'd simply give him that letter and set in the letter what the difficulties that you have, what your complaints are. Because if you were to litigate, you can guarantee if you haven't put something in writing, the landlord will turn around and say, I never knew. I never knew there were any concerns. As far as I'm concerned, they're perfectly happy and they just don't want to pay the rent. And if you put something in writing and keep a copy of it, I know my colleagues who sometimes listen to the show laugh at this and say... You've said it again, but it's true. And the fact is, if you know, when you're f- formulating a case, you want evidence. And if you want to prove you've sent something to somebody, then keep a copy of what you've sent. And ideally, if you give them a letter, ask them to acknowledge receipt of the letter. You know, so at least then, if you go to a county court and the, and the landlord says, knew nothing about these complaints, they're making them up, then you can provide reference to the letter and say, well, there you are, judge. There's proof the letter was sent. There's the contents of the letter, but through the copy. And there's an acknowledgement that they received it. We've got a receipt off them as well. So little things like that make a huge difference when you go to, um, when you go to the county court. So do all those things. Um, think about going to speak to a solicitor who deals with such matters. Uh, and no doubt these things can be dealt with. Um, Mark in Wavertree, thank you for your question. Mark uh, Ellis in the studio, thank you for your answer. Mick Coyle in the studio, thank you for the questions. Uh, n- no worries. Uh, people want to send in their questions for next week's show. Uh, the email address never changes. Surgery at citytalk.fm. That's surgery at citytalk.fm.
FM. Uh, we're back same time next week. Don't forget, you can listen to previous episodes of the show uh, on the City Talk website, www.citytalk.fm. Often when there's uh, complicated, complex legal frameworks, you might think, oh, I could do with re-listening to that answer. They're all there on the website. Or if you just like the sound of Mark Ellis's voice, it's all there, citytalk.fm. Mark, you're off to uh, continue with your Columbo lookalike competition. I'm going to be doing a bit of Columbo. I've got the I've got the jacket on. I'll do a couple of Columbo impressions and... Uh, Maybe a little bit of Terry Wogan. Terry Wogan. <laughs> it's all top of the morning to you. It's definitely the end of the show now, Mark. Thank you for your time. Pleasure. This is the City Surgery on City Talk 105.9.